The following podcast may be explicit. Shedcast presents Adventures from the Shed, a tabletop RPG podcast. You can find us online at adventuresfromtheshed.com. Welcome to our first sidebar podcast. In this episode, we talk about ourselves and our past experiences. This podcast was created to share more information about each of us. Mickey, JJ, Kurt, Mike, and Joe. Enjoy the podcast. Mickey, talk about yourself. Oh, I don't want to go first. All right, JJ, <laughs> talk about Mickey. Hi. Um, so we, we met in uh, Florida. What's your name? My name is James Stevens. I go Who's by JJ. Dad? Is he rich? Is he rich like me? Who's that? Cut. No cut. We're just going. Oh, I'll I met cut Mickey stuff when I was later in Florida, and um, I actually met her at a mini golf course. He followed me around like a stalker. Awesome. <laughs> Not my fault. Your butt's cute. So you were by yourselves at the no, mini we golf? were part of this group called ENA, Events and Adventures. So it's basically a, a club. And ad- ad- planning. It's a sorority fraternity group, basically for, for single, single people. people. It, it's essentially high school all over again without the actual learning. They tout it as an, a, a event planning uh, service for single people. I mean, you do everything from wine tasting to skydiving. I mean, that's how I got into frisbee golf, and it's, it's, that's a fun activity. Wine diving while or wine tasting wine while diving. <laughs> wine diving. That's exactly where I was going. Wine tasting while skydiving sounds like a heaven. Right? Um, so about, so we met, we met short, DNA and then stalked me for a while. <laughs> and then I stalked you on Facebook. And now we're married. Yay. So JJ's the stalker of the group, just in yeah. case that wasn't clear. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I'm going to find out where Joe's uh, honeymoon restaurant is. I'm going to go and okay. uh, find I, out. All you have to do is ask Bridget. She'll probably tell I'm, you. I'm, I'm sure. I'm she would tell me if I'm I just going to stay in. Stand and stare at you through the picturesque story window they got there. Right through the window. Just right through. yeah, there'll probably be a line of people doing that. <laughs> <laughs> JJ is about to show his hairy nipples. Oh. Yay, hairy nipples. <laughs> well, the camera was going at the I, time. I, so. I am a veritable Chewbacca. That's great. <laughs> I kn- what is a veritable <laughs> Chewbacca? I nearly Best won the hairy man contest on a carnival cruise line. If wow. it wasn't for your head, right? The only no. reason why I didn't win is because the wife of the winner was on the judges' panel. Nice. I thought you were going to say the wife Rigged. was hairier than you. Rigged. <laughs> so you want to know a little bit about... For those of you listening at home, this sounds like an unattractive group, but I have to tell you, JJ, he radiates life and vitality. <laughs> That's just my beard. <laughs> he's, he's radiating some Mexican food. I can't call Taco Bell Mexican. Like that's, that doesn't even count. That's, yeah. that's like saying beer is Irish. Like, that's a good point. Budweiser's not Irish? It sounds no. Like. So what else yeah. do you want to know? So oh, a little what bit else about, do you want um, to share? Are you married? I am married. I'm married to James over here. Three years. Known him for five. We have one fur baby. Her name is Boomer. And she thinks she's a lap dog, even though she weighs about 85, 90 pounds. And those of you who know Boomer is a girl. Yes, yes. Boomer is a girl. I named her after Boomer on BSG. Um, Battlestar Galactica, for, for those, those not who don't know. know. Let's They're see. listening to a we yeah. podcast. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I actually didn't know in the first Battlestar Galactica it was Moffat. 
Moffat. That's right. right. I haven't watched the new one. Well, well Moffat was, was the dog, right? Yeah, the, the yeah. robot dog. But Boomer's the. Boomer is actually she's actually a Cylon. She's the one yeah. who. She's the Asian chick, right? Yeah. Ah, oh, I love her. Well, um, see, okay, we just coming back from Dragon Con. I can say that there are people who are totally in love with you know Harry Potter and D and D and everything else like that, but don't like. BSG and Star Trek and other mm-hmm. things. So just because you are in the world of geekiness doesn't mean that you encompass all of the geek yeah. kingdom. There's also all the people who loved three and seven eighths of Battlestar Galactica until the last episode and then yeah. threw their television <laughs> across the room and screamed and cried. It's like, yeah. It had, uh, for those who don't know, what was to me the worst series finale in history. Spoilers, really? Yeah. I'm just telling you, it's 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 freaking and fantastic. Th- there's sopranos the out there, soprano fans out there who would argue with you that that's the worst series True. finale. Good point. Good point. Tony they just lives wanted forever. someone to die. <laughs> it's interesting because I'm not a sci-fi fan generally. I'm much more a fantasy fan, but I really loved both the original and the new Battlestar Galactica. But the BSG was more of a drama. But anyways, back on topic of back. how we met and about <laughs> ourselves. Yeah, sure. About ourselves. So I've been playing D&D for about two and a half years, going on three. I started really because I got sick of just being by myself. I just cut out. You did. I got sick of and staying at back. home. By myself, while I married a, I was a closet nerd, and I married an overt nerd, and he was into like gaming and obtuse. You're an acute nerd. I'm a, I'm a obtuse nerd. Oh, she's <laughs> cute, all right. I am. <laughs> um, so I mean, I was a wow widow for a while, and I hated that. And he's like, you know, let's go play this game. You're into sci-fi. You're into fantasy. You might like this. So we went, and I, you know. Fought it the whole time. Like, I'm not gonna like this. This sucks. I don't want to dress up There's like an elf. Board game, dice. This doesn't make any sense. You're such a loser. And it turned out I really liked the game. I liked the aspect of role playing. I liked the fact that you can pretend to be something else for an evening and go on these really cool adventures and meet great people, have great conversations, and just all around have a good time. That's what so, I like too. That's what attracted me to D and D. And me. Win <laughs> a match made in heaven. Yeah, you're the lucky one. So. The social part of it's huge for me too. I mean, yeah. that's yeah. you know, I I played a lot as a kid. Um, I'm Kurt Schumacher, by the way. And, hi, uh, Kurt Schumacher. Hi, Kurt Schumacher. I'm uh, I just turned forty this year, and I have two young boys, which is part of what got me back into tabletop role playing. So, um, how many days since your last RPG session? <laughs> so it's been two weeks since two my weeks last RPG. Since last but I'm, uh, I may be getting divorced because I'm in the process of setting up two completely other games. And my wife is like, you are not allowed to go to karate four times a week yeah. and have three D&D games going. Like, that did did I start this? You did start karate. this. You're number one. Oh, look at me. You're number one. Uh, but I'm a lawyer by day, and I need escapism by night. So um, I played a ton of first edition basic D&D in Red Box. Keep on the Borderlands, Ghost Tower of Inverness, with a couple of friends, and we would literally like sit under the slide on the playground in fourth grade, and with our graph paper and our dice and play. And I loved it. Um, and we made up most of our adventures because we didn't have the money to buy the modules and all that. But you know, once I got into computer games, I started playing Zork and then Zork. Ultima, you know, oh and God. Ultima Four, and eventually, you know, some good RPGs on the PlayStation. You know, I love now the Dragon Age games and. To a lesser degree, Skyrim and all that. But, you know, when you see that you put 130 hours in on a computer game by yourself, 
at some point, especially if you have two kids and a job and a wife, you know, you're like, ah, I probably should socialize. Yeah, I mean, I, to be honest, I just yeah. missed the the social aspect of it, and so I started playing Pathfinder Society at Big Robot Games, uh, and just played a few games with them. But I loved it. Um, it was a real diverse group of players: young, younger, older, more experienced, new new players. Really fun. Um, and then I, that game fell apart, but that hooked me on Pathfinder, and I started buying the books and reading all the books and the Intersea World Guides and the Intersea Gods and the Bestiaries and all that. And then I got into the history of D&D. You know, I had not played 3rd and 4th edition at all, although I was familiar with them. And when I saw that 5th was coming out, I got really jazzed about the possibilities for that. Jazzed. Jazzed. And when the opportunity to play with this group came up. I haven't heard that since ideal. the 80s, sorry. <laughs> but just like Mickey said, you know, to spend four or five hours. Yeah. Like being someone else, and not that I don't like my life. You know, people say, well, why do you need to escape your life? That's silly. Like in the mm-hmm. modern world, in modern American society, very few of us get to be a hero mm-hmm. ever, right. ever. And to be able to do it every two weeks or once a month or once a week and, and be part of a, a group or a party or a clan and have an exciting adventure is super fun. And then if you're doing it with cool people, all the better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe we can find some cool people yeah. for you. Yeah. One of these days. One of these days, I'll find Just turn the cool. AC yeah. down lower. I think, I think it's important. Yeah. What, what's up? Just, Just turn, turn the, the AC, AC down, down We'll become oh, cool. Yeah. We'll get cooler. <laughs> we could probably turn a little lower. Um, but one of the things you mentioned about that, that escapism, a lot of people do that just going to the movies or even just watching right. a movie on TV. Or alcohol right. or right. there's so, other various right. Or even of, uh, watching a football game. People get into the game. They think they're on the team when they're right. watching a football game. They think game. that their shouts and cheers right. can and actually I, I mean, I'm guilty of it as well, right. but, you know, I don't dress up right. as the dungeon master when you I should. play this. I probably should. That's that not the point. So but fun. I don't. Yet people dress up like football players. Right. And, right. Well, what's interesting is since I... I which which I, I also do. When PlayStation 1 came out, I started playing, you know, a lot of games. I mean, not, not 12 hours a day of WoW or anything like that, but for a guy who had a real job and was in grad school, you know, I was, I was the gamer of my friends. But that and now the tabletop gaming has just completely usurped television watching and movies. I mean, I still have a few shows I love and I'm religiously following, but if a show is not really good, I drop it like a bad habit. And movies now, I have almost no patience for because they're so passive. Mm-hmm. Like, I watched an, a, what was objectively a pretty good action movie the other night, but I was like, I would rather be either playing this on PlayStation or doing this with my buddies around a right. table. That's I the, just don't have any patience for two hours of sitting there watching someone else, unless it's fantastic. I just don't have the patience for that's it. That's the argument I have with Mickey all the time about how mm-hmm. um, I can get my stories two ways. Passively or interactively. And I would much rather influence the story than just digest a story. Right. And what's interesting is reading is in between because I'm a big reader and I do really love reading. And it doesn't feel as passive to me as movies. Although when I think about it objectively, it's closer to a movie than a role-playing game. But I think there's still so much imagination involved in how you visualize what's on the page that it it just doesn't feel as passive as a movie to me. But I want Choose Your Own Adventure to come back. Heck yes. Remember those? I want pop-up Choose Your Own Adventure. That's what well, I'm and that's for. what's fun about having kids. You know, yeah. I have a, a son who's going to turn nine in two weeks and then a six-year-old, and they're into Choose Your Own Adventure. Nice. And I get to revisit that, and it's really fun. I, you know, it's funny. I was geeky in my own way as a kid, but I was not. I never read comic books. Um, you know, I was very into Star Wars. I was into D&D, but I never did comics. I never did a lot of that stuff. Having kids... Man, I go to the comic book store every single week now. I read graphic novels. I'm into all these games I never would have played. And it's kind of like a second chance at 
at being a kid in some ways. That's cool. And then there's the silent one. His name's Mike. Yeah. I'm Mike. I'm Mike Robertson. I uh, just turned 30 at the end of June. And how long has it been since your last RPG session? <laughs> uh, I played last night. <laughs> About 23 hours. Yes. Uh, but I am married. Uh, I've been married for uh, almost three years. Uh, I have two dogs, and they're both big and crazy. Um, I, I, before I got into tabletop, I like um, Mr. Schumacher. Um, Mr. Schumacher really enjoyed. The, That's a villain name right there. So yeah, yeah, it like is video game RPGs. Who's scared I, of maker of shoes? I think if you throw an air in front of it, like, air Schumacher. <laughs> it sounds particularly dastardly. Uh, yes. Sorry to interrupt you, Mike. No, no, no. But uh, I played video games for years and years uh, since college, really. And uh, uh, I, I've tried Dungeons & Dragons, like, one time in college and really didn't like it at the time. But, um, like, I got... It, close to 30 and i was like man as an adult it's really hard to make friends now so i was like looking online i'm like well i tried the dungeons and dragons once so and it was really fun when i i it could be really fun if i had the right group maybe i'll try it and it was totally different at the um at the store like they played it totally different than what i had played like they actually used the minis at the time and and uh, there was a lot of people there, and, and you'd have different people and, and big groups. and So that was playing Encounters, right? Uh, yes, right. yes. I got my start playing several seasons of Encounters. Um, then, Which is the D&D organized play, right? Yeah, it's like their weekly... Like the Pathfinder Society one. Right? Yeah. And then um, sort of transitioned to playing just with friends, because uh, the store closed and then uh switch to joe's monday night uh dungeon world game which i really like and um got into this podcast somehow so i i, I, by saying, I want to be in by saying yeah i <laughs> yeah, want to I be mean. in but uh yeah <laughs> so far i, I it think wasn't it's, random it's really great and uh, yeah. i look forward to doing more of it and it's important to know that Mike is the creator of a fantastic seal that you all cannot see, yeah. but that is dead center in the middle of our table. Well, he did the logo, the logo as well that is going to be the, the picture for every episode. Oh, it's, fantastic. On the, it's on the website. It's, it's it is out awesome. There. Adventures yeah, I, from the show. I am a graphic designer for my day job. And a sticker applier for and his a, night job. And a sticker yeah. applier. So... I need a new law firm logo. Maybe we should talk later. Hey, just give me a call. All right. <laughs> Adventures from the law firm. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I guess I, I'm, I'm Joe Young, and um, this is my place. This is my house. It's your shed. 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 <laughs> well, this is my house. <laughs> but um, I, I, I am also married, um, and um, I was just mentioning before we started, uh, tomorrow night is my 18th wedding anniversary. Um, I'm reminded because my wife put on the inside of my ring when we were married. So nice. it's easy for me to remember. I had that done, too. Yeah. 
<laughs> when so I'm drunk easier. in the gutter, I can be like, hey, I'm Kurt, and I'm married to <laughs> Catherine. Mine, mine is just initials. So. Oh, that doesn't work. I'm like Jay, and I'm married Bly, whatever that is. Right. But, Mine's um, the date. Yeah. yeah, I have the date on it, too. Like, all right. But um, I have two kids, two girls, and... They really want to play, but overall, I'm not ready for them to play yet because uh, they don't have the attention span that I need. How really old are they? Start. Uh, nine and 11. Um, they, they want to play, and we make stuff up as we go. Uh, when you had mentioned uh, uh, running stuff for kids as a, maybe a project, uh, I had mentioned a few times with my kids, we've set up miniatures and I have an easel pad with grid on it and we just put them out there and I'm like, alright, so the bad guys are coming to get you, roll that 20-sided die they can move five spaces, they're coming to get you now you come get them and we yeah. do like easy mechanics, a 10 or over you hit them, uh, you know, if you didn't get a 10 then you missed, and then Deep I try and get them to use their Land. imagination right, we actually, did, we used Candyland cards for a, a <laughs> little made-up D&D game so we use the figures on the Candyland board with the Candyland card. So, you know, you can move the dragon to purple spaces. And you should totally publish like that. that. <laughs> it's yeah. awesome. I, uh, I'm not a big fan of minis, as we'll talk about, but um, they are awesome with kids. And the Pathfinder bo- beginner box comes with this huge collection of little cardboard. They call them pawns. And they're like cheap minis, but they're just pawns in a stand. But they have them for all the basic monsters you would ever fight in a, like a starter set type adventure and the kids love that because you could throw out a goblin he had a skeleton and a black dragon and they're like totally can visualize the, it. the visual yeah. reference yep. is huge right and, and it's great um playing with them i i started when i was that age actually now that i think about it because i was in sixth grade my daughter just went to seventh grade um i played the original D box um i with your graph remember, paper i still remember dwarf was a class Right. Elf was a class. We're the elf. Um, I had uh, had those characters played a lot there, but then didn't play for like I don't know seventy years or so. And um, then I started back up a few years ago. Uh, really, where I started back playing was also at Encounters over at Big Robot before they went to hell and then closed. Um, so Mike is thirty. I just turned forty. About how old are you all? Thirty-six. Thirty-six. Twenty-nine. Cougar. Wow. Yeah. So 36, you and I are fairly close. So you can remember original first edition, second edition. And I remember just walking around with graph paper and you would, oh, you, know, yeah. you had to make your map while you're playing in your head and you'd have X's for traps. And, you know, yeah. I think we've seen by uh, the last time we played that Mickey's map Mickey. skills are yeah. not. <laughs> yeah. Mickey, Mickey will not be We should put game. this on video. Uh, this is the map of us heading into a goblin's den. <laughs> yeah, I got the job done. I think when, I'm going to be, I'm going to take over a cartographer next time. When I, when I was cleaning up and I looked at that, I said, that's a keeper. Yeah, <laughs> that, that's going on my refrigerator. <laughs> Look, I mean, I, it's even to scale. The halfling oh, is so much smaller. smaller. Yep. It's to scale. It's <laughs> awesome. <laughs> So awesome. everyone else is the size of the cave, yes. but the halfling's half the size of the cave. They have to so crouch to get it. Yeah. <laughs> so what's interesting about um, playing games as an adult that's different from kids is I think, correct me if I'm wrong, but we're, you know, our brains are a lot more strategic at this point. Like I feel like when I was eight. Oh, I got lots was, of strategery. A lot of strategery like, George, yeah. like W. Uh, when I was eight, it was all about the imagination and the creativity. Um, and just visualizing the monsters and the heroes and the elves. Whereas now, 
Um, I still love that. I love the role playing, but you know, I think we, as a party, have to work together much more strategically to survive and to, you know, to level up to play the type of adventures that we're going to want to play. Um, and the, when I think about the other games that I play, you know, I spend a lot of time playing chess. I'm not particularly good at it, but I love it. And then I was telling Joe when we were kind of doing the interview to get in the group and all that. You know, I've started playing a lot of Magic: The Gathering which I never played when it was popular, but I got into about two years ago, just casual play. And I love that. It has the fantasy side to it, but you can ignore that all if you want and just play it as a math game. And I only played it when it was popular. Right. All of my cards, the, the oldest, or I'm sorry, the newest cards I had were 1997. Yeah, so you were. So I had the cards back to the beginning when they didn't even have a date on them. But yeah. um, I actually sold those off to Big Robot to, to get others, other games that yeah. I was playing now because I wasn't playing them anymore. But I've talked a lot to, you know, adults who play now. And, you know, a lot of us are just as, almost as much into reading the books and reading about other games as actually playing, which I think is a function to some degree of not having the people to play with. I mean, it's a pretty yeah. small community of us who, who like playing. I, 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 don't, I think you're wrong there. I think it's the, the perception of people, like, think they're going to be ostracized by coming out of the closet. Mm. Like when she said earlier she was a closet nerd, you know, like I don't understand why we have this stigma associated gamers. Like why do they have to be mouth-breathing, basement-dwelling, you know, Mountain Dew sucking herbivores? Oh, like, Mountain Dew is so good. You know, like Well, there was a lot of stigma. If you think like in the 80s, there was a lot of stigma around D&D. Yes. Yeah. And everyone would play in like back alleys and on the mm. playground and hide it because That's cuz Satan might come and grab you. Back you. alley right. D&D devil worshippers. Right. Back at the back yeah. of the course, well, rolling a yeah, rolling right. a D20 up against the brick wall. Yeah. And remember if you got to a certain level they said that there, it was actually a cult, and when you got high enough, when your character leveled up high enough, there was a secret initiation, and you mm-hmm. got brought into special chambers and <laughs> pledged yourself to the devils. I've, I've but uh, JJ, that well, JJ has a good point, and I think it's still it's interestingly mixed because yeah. on the one hand, you know, we're kind of in the age of geek to some degree, but the eight, but it's still pretty darn geeky to spend five hours, two, three, four times a month playing. Like, there's a difference between oh, I watch, you know, Big Bang Theory, or I like Lord of the Rings. And I know yeah. the difference between third, fourth, and fifth edition D and D, and am happy to talk about it. Having said that, I totally do agree with you. There are a lot of people who are interested, and in fact, I have a group of friends who objectively would be the cool kids. You know, director of marketing for a great restaurant group in Greenville, a doctor at a great like. There were good friends that I would just go drinking with. I would never, well, not for think about doing a, this with. And we were all tanked in Asheville one night, and I was talking about this. They are dying to play. They want yeah. me to run a game. Like, I've got my cleric. The doctor wants to be the cleric because he wants to be the healer. Uh, Gina is, like, super closet. Typecast much? Yeah. He, he, no, he's like, he's like, I'm comfortable with it. I don't have to, I don't have to go outside my boundaries. <laughs> but, like, uh, but I, the, you know, I've won. Tell him he's got to play a troll. <laughs> dying to be the elf. I literally made a party, like, over cocktails. And I was like, you guys are all just drunk. You don't know what you're talking. You're not going to remember this in the morning. They're like, no, I swear. If you play a game, we'll try it at least three or four times. All right. Yeah, yeah. Right. and I mean, what's 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 so different about devoting three, four, five hours to a television show on a weekend, on a weekly basis, versus doing this right. for a couple hours? Or you know, I think a lot of a lot of guys, maybe women too. I can't speak for them, but you know, especially those who think about it, um, become increasingly bored with athletics. You know, and particularly as college athletics gets more professionalized and things. It's just, I'm not saying I don't like to watch sports. I do, but. I don't have the passion for it I had 10 or 20 years ago. And so, I mean, if you stop watching sports or if you cut your sports back by 75%, you get 
five, 10, 15 hours a week back that you can do something yeah. else with. That's D&D time, man. Yeah, exactly. Well, There's so and, many and, people and, and, that talk and, about it at work the next day. The, the show, that the, the Big Bang Theory you mentioned, um, there's one guy I work with that he'll talk about it for an hour and a half, which is longer than the show runs, <laughs> right, right? right? And he'll talk about it that long at work. Uh, and he'll talk about that as something someone else did that he thought was funny. Where, like, for from what we were saying before, JJ was saying the interactivity, we did something that was fun that we can then talk about. And uh, to me, there's a big difference there. Well, and what's nice about D&D, and this would go for other role-playing games, too. Certainly, uh, I just don't know them as well. There's two levels, right? I mean, the people who've been playing it forever know Orca and know Keep on the Borderlands. I mean, there's a certain level of in there and i'm not there because i haven't played that much but and then but then on the other hand there are people who are totally new to it who don't even know what the forgotten realms is and we get to kind of be a teacher to them to some i mean even i consider myself a noob but i can still like initiate people into this world that they don't know and not everyone's gonna like it not everyone's gonna groove on it but some of them are relive that wonder like it's it's like even when you introduce someone who's never seen battlestar galactica you get to watch them watch it you know (laughs) right and, and you know when that part's coming up that you want to go look waiting. at their face. And you're waiting. Right. You're like waiting. you're hoping they have the same reaction that you had. And then when they don't, you say, you're stupid. I'm going to rewind it. <laughs> Did you, wait, pause. Do you realize what just happened there? <laughs> yeah. Um, well, and that, to be honest, has been frustrating for me. On the one hand, you know, I think the reason my wife and I have such a great marriage is we're very complimentary and we do a lot of stuff together. But we also have some very different hobbies. On the other hand, most of the time when I really get into something, she ends up liking it and vice versa. Um, and she has been very resistant to magic and yeah. D&D and Pathfinder and all that. And part of me is like, I just forget about it. It's fine. I don't need that. But on the other hand, I'm, part of me is like, I kind of wish you would see what's cool about this. And she does objectively understand. Like she can yeah. say, I know it's creative. I know, she understands objectively, but she hasn't experienced it. And, I'm, and I want to be like, just give it a try. I yeah. think you might just, – yeah. just take a hit. I you might to, like it. I try to talk my wife into it all the time. And, like, she'll, like, say stuff jokingly. And I'm like, that is exactly what we do. Yes. You, but, you would be perfect at this. And, yeah. and she has no confidence in it. But she does – I guess as far as a hobby goes, D&D is, like, is, is uh, pretty harmless. Like, I'm not going out to a bar – I, I'm not. Oh, it's like, pretty harmless. I like. Although that. we drink a lot of beer in the screen. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> one, of the, one of the best things about my hobby is it's pretty harmless. But uh, I mean, I I am gone for several hours, several times a month, and I, I think she just knows that that I'm just over rolling dice with my friends <laughs> yeah. and not in a gambling type of way. I'm not yeah. losing anybody except for the large amount of money that I've spent on books and minis. But uh, right. Although I will say about that, um, I was on Amazon and, you know, and I try to buy half my stuff from Amazon and half my stuff from my local friendly local gaming shop because I want them to stay in business, but uh, I can't buy it all there. Uh, but I was on Amazon pricing, wanting to buy a bunch of the new fifth edition hardbounds uh, and, uh, and I added it all up, and it was like, I don't know, $87 or something if I bought everything I wanted. And, uh, and Catherine was like, wow, that's a lot of money on d and I was like, Catherine, that is less that's than one nothing. round of golf. I was like, you know, I used to play golf all the that's time. That's one pair of shoes. Yeah. yeah. But, I mean, I used to play golf all the time, and I'd be for business. I'm like, that's one round of golf. She's like, yeah, you're totally right. Just get it. I was like, of course. For hours. Was, yeah. Hours I, was like, I was like, that, honestly, because it was, you know, it's the – 
basically a year-long campaign, plus the player's handbook, plus the monster manual, plus the DMG. That'd be two years of fun. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, part of the podcast is I want people to share with their friends. So the more it's shared, like um, well, with, I have- with our wives or you can share it with your husband if you I'll want, Mickey. Right. I'm, I'm trying to get my sister to play. She played once. Yeah, she, she played, played that, that, that game. My sister yeah. played once with us. She was hilarious. My was sister's awesome? worse than I am. My well, sister's like by oh, worse than she means just me, as funny. I mean, right. just as far <laughs> as just having that preconceived notion of what geeky yeah. stuff is and what D and D is. And I told her, you know, come with. But us. She's worse than you, and you were just at Dragon Con all weekend. I know. We I just like to point that out. I just, just, just so you know, just so the listeners know, like yeah. even the other ones, the well is deep. <laughs> <laughs> Once you dive in, yeah. it goes forever. Uh, we still have a half an hour here. Let's go. So we talked. I, I talked her into actually coming with us to a game, and she's reluctant. And the whole ride over, she's like, "So stupid. I'm going to hate this. Whatever. I'm bringing my phone, so I have stuff to do." I was like, "Just, just try it." She older or younger? She's younger. Yeah. I, I didn't suspend, let her pick up the phone once, I did I? Suspended disbelief. <laughs> yeah. And she got in, and she's like, okay, so what am I playing? And she ended up playing, what was it, like an elf or something? She had a ranger. Uh, a rogue. A ranger. A rogue. Yeah. And she, she was using she a bow. transformed at the table. Like, her first role was like, okay, what can I do? And we were like, you can do whatever you want. Just describe it. And she's like, so I can, like, do a backflip off this table and drop kick that guy in the head and pull out my, my knife and slice him? Yeah, roll it. If you so roll you it, you can do it. <laughs> and by the end of the night, she's like, "This is really cool. Ah, it's awesome. <laughs> yeah. It's awesome. Really I've awesome. got a buddy. It, um, it might be shaking that that's doing it. Yeah, you're you're doing it too uh, much. And that's why it's cutting I out. I talk with my hands. About a year ago, I started doing karate, um, and I'm totally addicted. I love it. And there's a guy uh, who goes to all the morning classes at my dojo, and somehow I was skirting around something, and it turned out that he played Pathfinder. And so we got to talking. Turns out he's been basically in the same gaming group. You know, a guy will come and a guy will leave, but the same core group for like 13 years playing D&D and Pathfinder. And he's older than I am. He's, I think, maybe 44. We got to talking and, uh, and talking. And he came to my 40th birthday and he brought me one of the Reaper miniatures of a, wi- of a cool. particular wizard because he knows I like to play spellcasters, which is so cool. And then it turns out... He, he invited me to come and join their game because they need someone. And one of the guys – and so we got talking. I said, well, you know, I'm not big on the rules. I don't know all the details, particularly in Pathfinder. I'm not very experienced. I'm not a rules lawyer. And he said, oh, we, we got that covered. We got a guy. He's not a rules lawyer, but he knows every single Pathfinder rule ever written. <laughs> and I looked at him. I said, his name's not Scott by any chance, is it? Was it that he guy said, from yeah. the Society guy? Yeah, and it was yeah. Scott um, who plays a, who played Pathfinder Society yeah. with Joe and me at Big Robot Games, who is awesome. Like, he knows every rule, but he's not in any way a jerk about it. Like, yeah. he just – he'll sit there, and if you need help, he'll be like, oh, yeah, it's this, this, this. But he's not a jerk about it. And, uh, and it shows – it's kind of a small world. So I'm at karate with this guy who plays with this other guy who I've already played with. And, Six degrees of D&D. Yeah. And, yeah. But, you know, you wouldn't necessarily have known that – this guy ever played but somehow you just drop a word and all of a sudden you're both in like i think part of that with the what you had said earlier and then jj kind of rebutted it a bit about a a small group i think it's not necessarily a small group but it's hard to find people Mm -hmm. yes because no one's advertising and no one wears it on their sleeve like she's got she she, mickey took a um we got a chessix three pound dice a six-sided dice and she now uses that as a paperweight at work to let everyone know, just subtly, right. that she is a geek. She has a six-sided dice that's three pounds and huge. 
and it's a paperweight on her desk now. Wait, six side or twenty side? Six sided six. dice. Oh, okay. And so you can it, pretend it, it was it's the size of my palm. You go. That's awesome. Well, I have a T-shirt. You guys have probably seen it, and it's it's just a green T-shirt, and it's got the the set of dice, and it just says "Choose your weapon." Uh-huh. And so I'll just bust that out, you know, every couple of weeks, and it's the same thing. Like most times, no one says anything, but every once in a while, someone would be like, "Oh, what do you play?" Exactly. I'm like, all right, let's chat. Play. What do Although, you mean play? <laughs> I just found the shirt out on the road. <laughs> Although with the internet, it's a lot easier these days. Like the yeah. the whole reason I got to big robot is there's a site called like meetup.com yeah that's meetup. how i found it and they had like this group and 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 if you look on there now there's like several if you're willing to drive like an hour to them but like it's it's with the age of the geek it, it's getting to be a lot easier to find gaming groups well not even that like um i was playing uh for a while on fantasy grounds um, which is a uh, visual basic service that allows you to um, – it has all the rules already coded into it. And all as a DM, all you do is you import some monsters and you load a map. And it populates a grid automatically. And if, it, if the map already has lines on it, it will populate the grid onto those lines. And you can just go right from there. Just put your mini in. And you can load the monsters up. They'll populate up onto the thing. And you can play all everyone all at once on on one platform. Yeah, virtual King Nerd. <laughs> <laughs> I told you. It's virtual, <laughs> it's virtual tabletops. Um, yeah. One of them, Roll20, just had another Kickstarter where they made a few more million dollars yeah. um, to, to keep their product going and evolving. And uh, I was just listening to one about uh, – have you heard about D20 Pro? Yeah. I have that. I, I oh. have Fantasy Grounds, D20 Pro. I use Roll20. The problem, the problem oh. with it is I've always used them. Now, they experience this. Another, oh, uh, another one I use is called Master Plan. The guy wrote this program for a D&D 4th edition. And I have my projector, and I had it pointed at the table, and they played uh, maybe two or three sessions, I think, at that guy's house. Um, and it's all of the minis essentially for the bad guys are on the screen, essentially on the table and they put their minis on that as well. So the projector just had their minis and you had the full map. So there's the forest and you have the squares and you're moving your minis around. And it's to me, that was to augment the tabletop. I still have not gotten the hang of or like the actual online play because of how slightly, delayed voice communication is it becomes so confusing when, yeah. when you get four or five people trying to talk at the same time and right i just can't quite I, get there yet i need this is why for me one of the big um things we did here is this is a tabletop rpg session not an online rpg session i back a, a while ago uh microsoft came out with that giant tablet that they i think they called it the surface at the time yeah. which is like their what they call their little tablets now yep but, like, it was the, like, three-foot-wide thing. And, like, the only cool thing about it was they pulled up this, like, Dungeons & Dragons app. And you had the grid. And you could actually lay your your players on the grid. And then, like, um, it would register them on the surface. So you could, like, if you did a spell, which you, like, picked up your mini and tapped the table, uh, you could see the fire come out of your mini basically from the table and it was like the coolest thing ever. I think yeah. those things cost like like 
six grand. Or I, I, I have all of the parts to build my own. But it's it. so cool. You don't really want a car, Mike. I mean, yeah. you can get a surface. Oh, <laughs> yeah, now, if I can drive this conversation back to what Kurt said earlier about how, as a child, you know, you're into the creativity aspect of it, but as we get older, we start craving that strategy, and I that's why. I think that's what I like most about the game now is I like the strategy aspect combined with the role play aspect. Like if if I'm not challenged intellectually while I'm here, then I don't find myself enjoying the game as much as I could. Right. Yeah, and I did not want to imply that <clears throat> we're not interested in the creativity or the imagination or the role-playing oh, no. side of it. It's just, I think it's even more interesting now that we have the strategic mind to go along with it. Cause I'm still very interested in the, the yeah. role-playing part yeah. and the, and the imagination. Right. Uh, like I think about that from, from those two perspectives. Cause like I said, I make up games with my girls and, you know, they'll, they'll come up with something like, I swing the big hammer and a vortex comes out of the air and it sucks up all the bad guys and they're gone. But as an adult, we think, logically, how long is that going to take? That's, gonna be, that's right. probably like 10 that's rounds. Like the There's no way I can do that right now. You know, you start to think right. about how it could happen instead of just letting it happen. Right. And, well, and I think that see, invades I've, some of what I've we really do. changed since I started playing, which it hasn't been that long. But, like, when I started and we were playing Encounters and it's 4th edition, fourth edition is so mini based and like you would you would look at the table and plan out like if you got your guy around the side you could get flanking and it's like super into that and then ever since i stopped playing that like i think in action movies Mm -hmm. like when i'm playing like i'm not thinking strategy at all i'm thinking of doing like the craziest coolest thing that the game will allow me to do and, and even stuff right. it won't allow you to do. Yeah, <laughs> right. I totally yeah. agree. And, you know, I don't know Joe that well, but that's got to appeal to him because there's no other way I would have gotten in this group. Other, you know, one of the big things we talked about was yeah. I'm not opposed to minis. If you like it, that's cool. But I'm much more theater of the mind. Like, let me imagine it. Let me see the room how I want to. And, like, last week when we played or a couple weeks ago, I said, like, can I reach that goblin? And I, just tell me if I can reach him. If I can, I'm going to do something. If I can, I'll yeah. do something else. I don't want to have to count off. Seven moves, and there's a corner which is half distance, and there's, you know, I'm not opposed to difficult cover slowing me down. It's fine, but I, I don't like counting it all off every single turn for three hours. And, you know, that's something I think of back to the early D&D, right. before 3 and 3.5, right. so original and AD&D. I don't ever remember saying... I don't have enough movement to hit the bad guy. I don't ever, in, right. in my memory, that never right. happened. You could always do something. Right, and even though concepts like reach um, or, you know, there's a lot of things in there that make sense. If you're going to make a super rules laden 3.5 Pathfinder type game, but I don't know, maybe I just don't have the patience at this point. Like, I'm totally enamored of the Pathfinder world. I love Galarian. I, I'm, I'm going to be in a game. I'm going to enjoy it. But I like, I'm very much drawn towards... I think where fifth edition is trying to go and where it sounds like dungeon world is and, um, and to some degree dungeon crawl classics, you know, that just like describe it. And if you can do it, we'll see if we can make it happen. I see that. And I, I can see how, um, theater of the mind could be appealing, but take someone like me, who's never done something like this before. I liked the fact that I was introduced to it via fourth edition because it gave me that structure 
because it's hard. I think I'm speaking for myself, and I'm sure there's others out there who are like me. It's hard to imagine it and put yourself in this world without some some borders, some boundaries. And minis and the grid allowed that. It allowed me to count off my five squares and figure out where the box was. Right. And then you could start figuring out how to work your way around the box. And I think learning in fourth edition, especially with encounters, you had a map with a visual reference every time, mm-hmm. too. So when that encounter starts, if it's in that village, you have the you know wizards of the coast supplied the map. That was the village with the roads you come in on. You start here. The building's over there. The goblins are going to come out of this building. And so you have that. I think that visual reference definitely yeah, helps a like lot. it's like training wheels. It's yeah, training wheels. When you're, for, le- when you're learning the, the system, for it sure. It was like playing a somewhat complicated board game every week. Right. Yeah. And I loved it. It was so... Yeah fun to uh to just like you put your pieces out and you could see everyone had painted their piece like to exactly how they thought that their character should look and i think they're just kind of different games like i really think of fourth edition as a distinct game from first edition or or maybe fifth edition fourth edition is it's very very much tactical war game Mm It's not so much role play. Not that you can't role play right. in fourth edition. Just the rules for fourth edition was very tactical war right. game based. And I think I was telling Joe this before, but it was sort of hard to role play in fourth edition because, like, I found like if you had these skills and all your skills had these great um, explanations, descriptions on what they were, and you'd be like, and I rained down the axe and and hit him. And then you like you had to wait a second to um, be like, yes. uh, so is he dead? So, um, so Kurt, so you, you didn't, didn't play actually fourth hit edition. Him. I never played any fourth edition. Okay, so those who did remember the cards. You have your mm-hmm. power yeah, right. card. I know well, about them. The power specifically says on it something like what Mike was saying. Yeah. So you have this barbarian power where the the, the flavor text on it says, um, you wield your war hammer on high and strike down with the force of a thousand mountains, and you do fifteen points of damage. The thing has three hundred hit points, and that. That wording doesn't match what yeah. really happened anyway. Right. So the role playing just never happened. It was a little tough. It was like, well, yeah, I thundered, <laughs> took the thunder down on him, but 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 uh, he is perfectly fine. He's <laughs> yeah. not even bloodied at all. Yes, and bloodied. Yeah. Yeah. I think the the limiting factor to fourth edition was the fact that because combat was so intricate, it also took so long, and that limited your role play aspect of the game yeah. if you only have like two or three hours to play yeah like joe can attest to encounters once you got into a fight that was it like it was four hours yeah, especially if tough. you had like right. eight to ten people if you had eight to ten people there you like took your turn and then you go get a drink because you're not going to be playing for like 20 minutes because it will never get back so around to that's, you. that's what the limiting factor to fourth edition was that's why i kind of like fifth edition like it just it, you move and you attack. That, that's pretty much it. You cast a spell. You don't have a move, a minor, a reaction. Yeah. Um, right. Move, and, minor, uh, and uh, Go ahead. Jeff. I, I like to. I I like to try and keep combat at the same pace as the role play. Exactly. Because to me, the way the games are designed is the inverse. You can get hours of role play done in twenty minutes. You can get twenty minutes of combat done in hours. Right. And it's such a it's a dichotomy. It doesn't fit my brain. So I try to get the combat to move as quick right. as everything else. I had a couple of thoughts based on what Mike and JJ and Mickey said. Um, first of all, you know, I, I don't want to 
imply, or I don't think we want to imply to anyone who's listening that fifth edition or other games are not tactical. It's just a different way of thinking about it. Like, for example, we played last week, and if you're listening to this, you may not have heard that yet, but and at one point we came up into a room, and Joe said something like, you know, the room is 60 feet wide by 100 feet deep, and there's something 20 feet in that you can see or whatever. And so in our brain, we're thinking, well, if it's 60 feet wide, you know, I can get across there in two turns, or if it's 100 feet long, I can get across in three or four turns. We kind of know that um, without counting it out on the board. Um, we're, I'm still thinking tactically it's just in a different way. But for me, the big thing is, and I don't know whether you guys would agree with this or not, um, when you play with minis or pawns and you get to the big bad and the dungeon master puts down the black dragon or the red dragon right. and it's a two-inch high mini yeah. or a cardboard thing, like, to me, that's just such a downer. Whereas if Joe <laughs> says, like, and we haven't gotten to that yet, but you walk in a room and, you know, fang, black fang is at the other end and he describes it, like, that is all in my head and it's how I see it. Mm-hmm. And if there's no mini, not the best, the best mini in the world that's going to be as good as that. That's a good yeah. point, yeah. The visual to, to get you in that frame of mind is good. But to me, being able to get into the frame of mind without the visual can be better. It's See, the, to me, it's the difference what you had said earlier, Kurt, about uh, the difference between watching a movie and reading a book. Yeah. In 3.5, like, I had um, – I, th- I think that's probably one of the best Wizards um, mini areas was um, I had a friend who was just – into the minis, like probably worse than Mike was, Mike is. And he would buy every mini as it came out. And he bought the $130 Red Colossal Dragon with a 4x4 base that stood 12 inches tall. Oh my gosh. I mean, it was put that out there and it's just like, you look at your little guy and you see this thing like (laughs) sitting 12 inches off. That that gave you the epic scale. It was just kind of like, holy Crap, that's amazing. That's yeah. that is cool. But not everyone has a hundred and thirty dollars to spend uh, on a figurine yeah. made of plastic. Granted it looked beautiful. And how often will you use it? And how often right. as often it? as possible because yeah. they cost a hundred and thirty dollars, <laughs> Joe. See, but I, 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 I would say I would say the same thing, but then in the defense of my own stupidity, um, I think I mentioned previously I went and uh, for one of the Kickstarters I bought the Dwarven Forge uh, tiles or cavern tiles and they're awesome and i've used them to play games with my kids i still haven't used them for a role-playing game because to me they're really only going to fit when we do a dungeon crawl and it will be fun making a random dungeon and do a dungeon crawl and you'll have figures that look like they're in a dungeon and we'll build rooms and there's little doors and stuff but that wouldn't have fit anything we did last week no. or right. the time before or the time before there's a time and there's a time and place right. and a tool for everything right yeah well, that's what's, I mean, so great about tabletop gaming generally and is we've like got the complete spectrum. <laughs> what's that? And I spent like 200 bucks on that. <laughs> I still haven't used it. We've Oops. got the complete spectrum. I think Mike said it absolutely perfectly that fourth edition was like a really complex board game. And while I didn't play it, I am very familiar with it. And I love board games. Like I'm teaching my kids Risk this weekend, and I can't wait to play with them. Oh, um, yeah. You mean Ruffle Stomp them? What's that? You mean Ruffle Stomp them? Ruffle I haven't stomp. heard Never that. Heard I don't that. know that. What is that? What is that reference? Raffle is rolling on the floor laughing, and stomp means just oh. ru- ruin them, so just <laughs> laugh wow. gleefully at their misery. Raffle, I got you now. Raffle stomp. Um, but, I'm like, who's rumple still skinning? What? Huh? But you know what? I get it, kind of, sort of. With tabletop um, gaming, you've got everything from two-player card games, competitive or cooperative, all the way up through 
You know, eight or ten people yeah. sitting around playing a full, full-blown role-playing game. Dragon Con had a panel. started at 8 o'clock in the morning, and it went to 1 in the um, afternoon. And every year, they get 200-plus people to come and play one big battle. They take they, they rent out this whole, like, banquet hall, and they have, like, the head DM and a bunch of assistant DMs, and you're all trying to take out one big bad. That's 200, cool. like, First level, two hundred first level characters trying to take out like some big bad. That's interesting. Now, did you see any um, organized play for fifth edition? Did uh, they have we, the epics? I, I, we we tried to go to a fifth edition panel and yeah. it, was it was packed. Like the the room the the room according to the, like, the little sign because you know how every fire marshal thing has a sign. The room said it was able to handle three hundred fifty people and there was still seventy some odd people standing in line trying to get in. Wow. That's a lot of people. It's a lot there, of people. That's cool. I think we talked about this a little another time, but you know, there's like I think there's three tiers of organized play for fifth edition. There's encounters for the quick two hour sessions every week. I think they're calling it epics, which is gonna be for the cons. And then there's a third one that I can't remember that is like the monthly game or the bi weekly game that's more hardcore. And all of them are gonna tie into this rise of Tiamat storyline for the year. That's but cool. but dif- but different stories that can mesh together and you can play any or all of them and you can move characters between them, which I don't know totally how it works, but I know if you go to the wizard side and you go to the, I think they call it adventurers league is what they're calling the overarching organized play. There's a lot of cool stuff going on with that. It's definitely topical with the new edition of fourth had several different layers levels too, but they they had um, layer assault. Layer which assault. was like the hard hardcore, like you, you're going to die. Like you were told to make, the best you could make because you were probably going to die. And like in the three or so times that I played Layer Assault, I think we only succeeded once, and that was because my friend Brant uh, just totally broke the system and made a guy that the only way he was ever going to be hit is if the DM rolled a 20. Um, <laughs> so he just stood there and like took the hits while we were all like, Help us, Brad. Help <laughs> us. <laughs> That's funny. But, uh, yeah, and then they have the encounters for the low and then the normal game for the, the middle. But uh, I do like how they're they're rolling everything together. And I haven't read too much about the Tiamat thing, but it, it sounds good. Yeah. Like dragons. <laughs> I think I may have my first uh, d- real DMing experience because I have a group that wants to play and none of them have – played fifth edition at all uh-huh. and uh the guy who would be the logical dm and is a good dm he's got two kids and a third one on the way and i think he just wants to play yeah. so i was like well i said i'll take a crack at it and i probably will roll they're doing a two-part uh i think part one is horde of the dragon queen and then rise of tiamat but it all goes together and so i might just buy the books and try to run it see what happens cool and it's something i do want to talk about more when we talk more about rpgs but um uh, any advice that we can help with, of course, we should. One thing I would tell you, though, is um, I find it's always more prep when you buy something that's already published. You actually have to spend more time learning it to make sure you do it right. Yeah. Otherwise, if you start it off wrong, you can break the whole adventure right at the beginning, yeah. and you've got to go back and fix it before you proceed. Kind of like we did. Yeah, yeah. like we did. Yeah, that, that 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 was an audio problem. We <laughs> could have continued. <laughs> I mean, I'd love to homebrew a game yeah. someday, but I don't think I'm there. You know, not Just for my first it. campaign. I think you could do it. Uh, no, it's totally funny because you know yeah. I wanted to jump back a little, if it's okay with Joe, and talk a little bit about our early gaming experiences. And I was trying to get a sense. 
Mike, you talked about playing video games. Did you play RPGs when you were younger, tabletop, when you were young, or did you just no. start with computer? No, started with uh, with video games very much. I didn't I didn't really play anything like a uh, a Dungeons and Dragons till I was like third year in college. Okay. So um, I bet JJ did, you, but Mickey, you did not. Did not. So I JJ, mean, did you? I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. I didn't. I I mean, I played. The obligatory Nintendo games when I was a kid. I yeah. mean, I had an Atari, Duck Nintendo. Count. I mean, Duck Mario. Duck I was pretty hardcore. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, stuff like that. That was me was doing more... the dog for those uh, of you at home. I hated that dog. Uh, I was more into like books, you know. Smash Bros. Um, <laughs> what were they called? The like you said, you know, choose your own adventure types yeah. book mystery novels. I really, I honestly did not play D and D until we lived in Asheville that one time. And JJ, you played like first edition AD and D. No, I I started in three point five. Okay, two, yeah, I started when I graduated high school, and that was in two thousand four. But you've played other okay. Stuff so Joe, did you play? So see, I played as a kid, like yeah. third, fourth, fifth grade, which. You know, D&D, I don't know, but I think if you look at it, it says something like ages 12 and up. And I was probably nine, yeah. maybe eight when I started. Yeah. And we definitely – yeah, I was a rule breaker. <laughs> but uh, I definitely – we did not play the game correctly. We did not know all the rules. We just freaking loved reading about elves and dwarves and these evil sorcerers. And, you know, we had – I, I remember I had three modules. I mean, I, I remember the modules. But then we just – we had a guy, Jason Oplinus was our DM, and, and he just made crap up. And the one I loved the best, I talked about it with Joe at one point, was it was he must have ripped it off of Ravenloft because it was a horror. You know, you're going into a castle with zombies and ghosts and the big Dracula-type figure. And I didn't know that it was Ravenloft then. And maybe it wasn't. Maybe Ravenloft wasn't even out. I don't know. But whatever it was, it was awesome. Like, it was the one of the two most fun games I've ever played in. And I don't remember... I just remember the feel of that game as a fourth grader or a fifth grader sitting under the slide is like, that's what I always kind of held with and said someday, like if I get the right group or the right game, like it'd be fun to do this. And it's, it's, it's easier, I think, to get that feeling from um, role-playing than it is to from getting, watching a movie or reading a book. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. yeah. Like I love horror movies and I love adventure movies, but it's a different feeling. It's a very much it's more real. It's more personal and overall. Because you're the hero. You're what else is hero. interesting, Sorry. and I, don't, I feel like I'm talking too much, so you I are. apologize. Yeah, I, you, you I want to hear more from JJ. I really do, and, and everyone. But, um, but I've I'm not going to shut up. Well, I, I'm <laughs> trying to throw questions out there. Like, I want to hear what people yeah. – when you role play characters, do you have a particular type, whether it's a class, a personality that you like to play? And if so, do you find anything psychologically interesting about that? Hmm. Yes, I always play girls, and they're always um, just really sarcastic witches. Um, typically, um, sometimes I'll play. Oh, sometimes I'll play on a nicer girl. But yeah, I, I've typecast myself into um, that. And as far as um, you said, psychological benefits. I don't know, it's just it's an out. You know, it's not who I am in real life. So it's fun to play somebody that you're not. Yeah, she's not a Wait, you're not a sarcastic girl I'm in not real a life. sarcastic no. bitch in real life. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so to, to further further that along, like, I've discovered through role-playing that in order to for me to really get into a character, I have to build a backstory for it. I have to have a, okay, what would so-and-so do? Like, what would this character do? I don't think about what I would do in the situation. So 
with that, like with her first experience, um, we spent, I think we were driving to your sister's house at some mm-hmm. point. It was a four hour drive. And, you know, she, you know, put on her little audio book and I was like, you know what, stop for a second. You're, you're going to play this weekend and we're going to really get into a longer campaign. Let's build up this thing. Like, so I was like, so your character, what was her early backstory? What, what was her early childhood like? What, you know, and she's like, you know, it goes off on this tangent. And then, like, I would build off of that. Okay, so what happened to your mom? Why she leave? And so on and so forth. And, like, it created this character and it made it very real. Yeah. And to this day, that's my favorite character. Yeah, it made yeah. it very real for you. Mm-hmm. And, like, I can't get into a character. Like, when someone says, here, let's play a one-shot adventure. And it's like, like I, you probably have noticed that I've not gotten into character yet with this group. Like, I'm here. I'm playing I have not created a character because I can't. I, I don't know what it is about pre-generated things. I can't do anything with this character. Yeah, I, I, I totally. When Joe said that we the first thing we were going to play was the the pre-generated characters on fifth edition, just so we we could work together as a group. I was like, but we're still coming up with with names and. And backstories, <laughs> right? uh, like, like we're not just gonna to have them be nameless, faceless people, right? Like they don't have names. Uh, uh, like finally, I was like, well, it says stuff on the sheet, but I, I, there's other stuff. There's gonna be other. I know. Stuff. Well, and I've been feeling guilty because <laughs> the way I'm playing my character, uh, just in terms of the moves he's making, directly contradict. What's on the sheet? His personality yeah. on the sheet. And I'm like, you know, I'm fine playing the dwarf. I'm fine being the cleric. I'm fine with my cousins being the rock seers and all that. But I'm supposed to be insecure and, and always waiting for others to act before I act. And I'm like, let's yeah. run right in and yeah. do something stupid. You might make a little adjustment there. Yeah. yeah. yeah coming up. But it's interesting. I, uh, I almost always play women characters. <laughs> and I vastly prefer both in computer and and to play women characters. And I'm not entirely sure what that says about me. My mother-in-law, who's very into <laughs> Jungian psychology, says... I'm not entirely sure why she had to grab a, a towel when you said that. <laughs> my mother-in-law says that um, I'm very in touch with my anima, which is your feminine side in Jungian psychology. But I think it might just mean I'm weird. <laughs> and I guess I, I have to take some of the blame for Kurt actually playing a male character here because for my ease, I said I want you playing the gender you are to start because it's just easier for me to keep track. Well, and we have a lady here, which does, does make a difference. <laughs> What's that? If you do a voice the whole time, then I'm fine. <laughs> that would be awesome. Well, we, <laughs> but if your girl sounds like... I am really happy to be here. <laughs> Super excited. <laughs> it just means yeah. she smokes stogies since her early yeah. age. Uh, <laughs> yeah, too much cigar and wine. Especially if he was playing a dwarf. Uh-huh. Well, yeah, and unfortunately in my experience, it's relatively rare to have a lady at the gaming table. So having Mickey here, maybe we don't need my feminine presence. Representing. One time, one time, we had more females at the, at the table than males. At yeah. one time in my gaming experience, awesome. I think, yeah. we had we had one, four we had like four girls and two guys. That's awesome. at the table. Girls can rock D and D. They can. I, when I ran that um, the all night dungeon world game at Big Robot, there I think it was an even. Uh, there were I think there were ten people at the table when we started, no, not counting me. And I think it was five and five. Wow. And um, it was too much, mind you, but it, it did happen, and it was pretty cool. That is cool. Um, so what what have been your favorite characters? We'll go around the yeah. room. Like, who has been your favorite character? Do you want me to pick one? Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> um, 
I mean, see, now I have to think about that because I don't play that. I don't get to play that many characters, and the ones I play, uh, well, you guys have been there for them. Actually, mm-hmm. the, the games that I've been a player at, um, I it, just counting my own, which I will. I really enjoyed playing the bard that I played at mm-hmm. um, at that game at that guy's house, um, and, but mainly because I just. I pushed myself into the character. You know, I would sit pretending I'm playing a lute, and uh, I, w- I just did a little singing while we were going. So everyone else is tra- uh, uh, taking a rest after a combat, and I'm just sitting there saying, and we killed the guy. And you know, just, I just had a lot of fun with that, just getting into it. And, and I guess I don't know that the character was so much fun as I had fun sitting there and you know, annoying people by being a bard. Well, that's a class that you don't play that often, probably. And, you know, it's um, well, for out. me, that's one I prefer to play. Oh, really? Because I like to I like to play the guy who thinks he knows everything, but really doesn't. He just knows all the stories. And to me, that's a bard. A bard knows all the stories, and it's uh, uh, almost mythological and hearsay for everything, rather than the wizard who actually knows stuff. I like the, the bard's perspective. <laughs> and, and I mean the traditional one in a D&D game. Right. So you're rolling for bardic lore. I mean... What the hell is that? Right. Right. Well, Where the wizard so... has knowledge. <laughs> There's a big difference there. Right. What about you, Mike? Um, well, the most recent game that I've been playing with Joe, I, I've been playing as uh, George Washington, who, uh, in a attempt on his deathbed to live on, he gets transported to the fantasy world of Core. And then he becomes a paladin in this this fantasy world. So it's George Washington, uh, the first president of the United States, yeah. as a, a paladin. And uh, like he, the character, we played it so long. That, and I think I tend to start my characters as being like very lawful and good. And like the longer I play a character. Like, it just goes downhill <laughs> like crazy. So, like, it went from, at the very beginning, yeah. George was, like, the the beacon of hope and truth and, and helping this race of, of deep gnomes escape their bondage, to Like, later, he, he became a pirate and started knocking people's faces against bars yeah. and stuff like that. The, the, <laughs> so, turning, uh, the turning point, the, the rest of the group feels the turning point was the time where George Washington got sick of the barkeep, not giving the information they wanted, took his head and slammed his face into the bar. And that was the turning point, we feel, because point. he didn't wow. hurt a, an innocent soul before that. Nope. Uh, but he hurt many innocent souls after that. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Wicked cool. Yeah. It's hard to follow that one. Uh, I to be honest, my characters aren't that interesting just because I haven't played many campaigns through. The two that I, I think of were, you know, when I was younger, I played the elf, which in those early editions meant the wizard. Uh, and I had what I considered a high elf wizard who went to the ghost tower of Inverness and did the Ravenloft type type horror adventures. And he just took names. I mean, I just loved playing him. Um, and then recently, you know, unfortunately, I only got three or four episodes with her, but I was playing this female rogue in Pathfinder Society. And Pathfinder Society is very structured. And you can use pre-gens or you can create your own character. And so I rolled her up and I was new to Pathfinder. But I liked the way she was going, which was that I tried to roll her high on charisma and diplomacy and everything instead of 
focusing on the combat skills with the goal of having her be diplomatic and or kind of using her charm, wiles. her sexual, you know, attractiveness, her wiles to that to make that really be her strength. And I didn't get to play that out fully, but in my mind, I loved her. And then I had also set her up as a cousin of, you know, um, Pathfinder has these kind of, I guess they're kind of the archetype characters. They have, when they're promoting it, they have Valoros, who's the fighter, and Ezrin, who's the wizard, and they have the rogue is this female rogue, um, Mariciel. And so I set my character up as a cousin, of, a younger cousin of her. Um, and so I had this kind of story in my mind that, you know, where she was trying to kind of live up. So I liked her. I wish I got to play her more. She, she, may, she may come back around in another form in the uh, future. Unfortunately, Pathfinder Society and Dungeons and & Dragons encounters don't allow you to roleplay a character. They, they don't. They don't. They don't. And that game died when the, when the shop died. And, yeah. uh, but like I said, she'll, she may, some, some form of her may come back around. I liked her. I like to hear that. My favorite character I played is a recent one. Joe got to experience him when I first uh, created him, but it was Wayne. Wayne. Who's oh, Wayne? Gosh. Wayne is a... That directly links to that tech session I was talking about with yeah. the projector where I shut it down early one night because Wayne did something. Because Wayne did something. Yes. What did Wayne do? Um, <laughs> Stole arrows. No so names. There, there, was, there was another character in the group who was uh, very fond of his arrows. And because of this character's extreme attachment to the arrows, Wayne had to have them. <laughs> Wait, what type of character is Wayne, or what class? It, it, he was a bard in 4th edition. Okay. Mischievous. Um, but <laughs> type. It, 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 Wayne just wanted, like, he, he, he didn't steal. Okay? He always replaced with something of equal value. So, silver arrows became, like, another rare type of arrow. Like, he went and procured another type of rare arrow to replace the silver arrows, but we are going to go fight werewolves, and without silver arrows, yeah. you're pretty much... <laughs> but... Be, <laughs> so, Wayne took the silver arrows, and it was... It just downhilled from there. And I, and I played Wayne a couple other times now, too, and I borrowed it... Um, I borrowed the character from um, a series called The Alloy of Law, and it's a... The, the character of Wayne's probably one of my favorite written characters I've ever seen. Just, yeah. Is that a book series? Yeah, yeah. it's a book series by Brandon Sanderson. Brandon Sanderson. What was the name again? Alloy of Law. Alloy of Law. Interesting. He's, he's, just, he's an interesting character because he has his own little moral compass. Yep. He's mor- and it doesn't really match up with anybody else's. No, so, I just wanted to make sure my mic neat. was good. I moved it. <laughs> You're fine. You're fine, Kurt. All right. So what's my favorite character? My favorite character, hands down, is Thea. Now, Thea is an elven monk in 4th edition, which is a, a weird mix. And she's my favorite because we took the time to make a backstory for her. You know, she was born in her town. Her mom was like the, the high priestess or whatever in in her area. She was exiled from her from her from her home, and was killed at a very early age. So Thea was raised by monks. And what was cool about her is because she's an elven monk, so she had all the neat powers of an elf with all the kick-ass powers of a monk. It was just a really neat dynamic to play. Yeah. And she always had, like, a chip on her shoulder where she was she had absolutely no diplomacy. It was all <laughs> yeah. aggression. She was running in there, and she was gonna she was gonna beat somebody up until something happened. Yeah, it it was 
in playing along with Thea that I started using the term badassery. Her badassery level was bad-assery. always way up. There hey there, little fella. Yeah. Hey there, little Hey there, fella. buddy. Come little here, buddy. let me kick your ass. I should know this, but monks in 4th edition are, like, focused on unarmed combat, hand-to-hand. Mm-hmm. Ish. Ish. But, yeah. yeah. She had a quarter staff. Yeah. Um, so, I guess I'm going to wrap this part up. And one of the things I do want to mention is a common theme. We did talk about Pathfinder Society, Dungeons & Dragons Encounters. And I would say anybody listening... Look them up in your area because that's how these this group of people at adventuresfromtheshed.com, we, we decided to get, get together at a local game store. And because of that, we all met each other. And then later on, we started this up. So I would definitely encourage people that are listening to look up Dungeons & Dragons Encounters and Pathfinder Society, any organized gameplay meetup. at a local store. Meetup.com yeah. is a great yeah. one. Yeah. It was actually through meetup.com that Kurt replied to this. Right, and if you need to find a shop, um, the Wizards of the Coast has a store locator that lists every store that's doing um, encounters officially, and Paizo.com, P-A-I-Z-O, which is the company that uh, produces and publishes Pathfinder, they also have a, a whole section devoted to Pathfinder Society on their page. Yeah. There are other great games out there we haven't even mentioned, like Shadowrun and Star Wars and all kind of awesome stuff. We'll talk about them in the future. We may play them in the future. Yeah. Okay, everybody say goodbye. Bye. 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 Thanks for listening. We hope you were entertained by listening to us talk about our experiences, both with tabletop RPGs and life in general. You can find more information about us at our website on the About Us page. Thanks for joining us. The preceding podcast was brought to you by Shedcast. You can find us online at adventuresfromtheshed.com.